Welcome to the Do Something Beautiful podcast. I am your host, Leah Darrow, and I share with you inspirational people who are truly doing something beautiful to make our world better. And we are inspired by the words of Saint Mother Teresa of Calcutta, do something beautiful for God. Do it with your life. Do it every day. Do it in your own way, but do it. Welcome back to the Do Something Beautiful podcast, season two, episode nine. And as you know, if you listen to the last episode, we are talking again to Father Mike Schmitz. You have his intro from the last one, but to give a quick recap, he is at the University of Minnesota Duluth. He's also the director of youth and young adult ministry for the Diocese of Duluth. Fantastic. I mean, right, just fantastic guy, as, as you hopefully heard in episode eight. We're going to continue our conversation in episode nine. And if you enjoyed eight, trust me, it just gets better. <laughs> it just gets better. And we will even discuss like what type of character he sees himself as in the Marvel and DC universe, and also a little bit of Lord of the Rings and a little bit of The Office. So just a very strange mix of uh, <laughs> of relating of who we are and our personalities to things on TV and in the hero world. Anyways, it was really, really fun. You're going to love them. I know you will. So just go ahead and enjoy episode nine with Father Mike Schmitz. Okay, so like fast forward, you allow this kind of thought at 15 and 16 of being a priest, you kind of allow that to kind of, I don't know, just mull around for a while. At some point, you fully take it on and you become a priest and you're doing all this. But how, so everything that what you're saying right now and the great advice that you're giving, how does that like, how does that look in your life today? Like, I mean, people could easily just take you for, oh, you're this great priest and you give these great talks and I see you on Ascension Presents and these, these great videos and all that's true. You are a great mm -hmm. priest and you give great <laughs> talks. <you>. I mean, <laughs> tell me more. Um, but, <laughs> but I mean, but clearly, like when God looks at you, he doesn't see Father Mike Schmitz, Ascension yeah. Presents, little videos. <laughs> faster than that, but yeah, little. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> um, no, yeah. How does your prayer life look on an average day to help you? Because I'd imagine it's going to be something centered in your prayer life so that you can like renew yourself in his mm -hmm. grace and in his spirit to do the things that God's asking you to do every day. What, yeah, what does that, that look like for you? Well, it's so good because there's, so have you ever read the book, The Soul of the Apostolate or oh, heard of it? Yes, my favorite. I love it. It's super good. I've and, highlighted the whole stupid thing. I got to get well, a new copy and just stop <laughs> highlighting everything. Honestly, because it's even like I've read the first two chapters probably, I don't know, a bunch of times. And because they stopped me, I'm like, oh, so the most important thing is not what I'm doing. The most important thing is, am I living in relationship with Jesus, with the Father, with the Holy Spirit? And so this really came to a head at two different places. One is I um, have the spiritual director and he, I like saying this because it sounds so dramatic. He's a hermit. It was just like, whoa, a hermit. I'm like, yeah, I know, whatever. He's holy, so I know him, and that makes me holy. Um, <laughs> but the uh, so he had said like maybe a couple couple months ago, he's an older man in his 80s, and he lives out in northern Minnesota. He's a priest, and he's been a hermit for about 20 years, and genius, and super holy, and very straightforward. But he's like, hey, so can I? Do I have permission to be honest with you right now? Sure, Father. You know, he says you're going to be forgotten pretty quickly, you know? And I'm like, oh yeah, yeah, I think so. He's like, no, 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 listen, you're going to be forgotten really quickly. <laughs> like, 
okay, okay, Father. Yeah, I, I think so. He's like, no, listen, St. <laughs> Thomas Aquinas, he's going to be around for a really long time. You're not. <laughs> that I'm like, oh, oh, yeah. I mean, I think I know that. But he was so good about saying, okay, so what's the point? And he's, what he's noticing is that I'm kind of a little bit of, I don't say workaholic is exactly a description, but I do find myself preoccupied with, okay, this work I need to get done and this thing I need to get done and I need to teach about this and I want to talk about this. And and he was just reminding me, like, okay, all those things are at some point, they're going to be done. And what will you have then? And that's the the hugest thing is at some point, everything else, all the work is going to be done. And what will you have? All I'll have is whatever kind of relationship with the Lord that given and cultivated and allowed him to do in my life. And so that was one piece. And then I went on a little retreat with our youth ministers. And it was just kind of like the first day of the retreat. I'm like, well, I finished up some work on this day. And I'm going to kind of plan for up this up on the weekend. And it just stopped me. I think the Holy Spirit was just like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Okay. So this is just another Monday. Like this is just another day where you get work done as opposed to this is a time where you are going away just to be with me. Like, oh, that's right. Because at some point the work is going to be done and all I will have is the relationship that I've allowed, the depth of the relationship that I've allowed Jesus to have in my life. And like, oh my gosh, Lord, I'm you're so right. So because of that, uh, the number one thing has come back again and again and again is not just, well, I need to pray every day because I need to pray because... Jesus expects it and because I need it because I need to be able to do good work. It's more, I need to pray today because I just, I need him. Like I just need him not to, in order to, like, that's the thing is a lot of times I can follow my, find myself falling into the trap of saying, okay, God, here I am. We're in adoration right now. So what I do is we have, we have a holy hour of adoration every morning. And then we have liturgy of the hours throughout the day and then mass every day. And then usually some kind of prayer at night. So that's on a daily basis, just really consistent and try to have that as a part of daily life. But I find myself a lot of times having this kind of transactional relationship with Jesus Mm. where it's, okay, God, okay, we're coming up this weekend. We have a retreat for high school students and I have to have a homily that's in the part of the series. So, uh, okay, God, I need you because I need you to help me get ready for this retreat. I need you because I need you to help me figure out what I'm going to say. And God is so good. And actually, there's a man who works at uh, Franciscan. His name is John Bilyeu, who's so good. And he pointed this out to me. Uh, he said, God is so good that he's actually going to answer your prayer. Like he's actually going to help you so that you can help others. But what he really wants is he wants intimacy with you and not just this transactional relationship. And so in my prayer in the last, well, X, X number of years, um, it's gone, it's ebbed and flowed, but it just the, it's clearer than ever that the main piece of prayer that I need to focus on is not God be with me. And I want to know you. I want to love you so that I can fill in the blank as much as it is just God. I just need you. And God, I just want to know you. And God, I just, please help me to love you. Mm. God, that's, yeah, that's deep. I mean, we, when you're at that place, there's yeah, a um, gift. I mean, it's, it's really, it's, it's him moving that in our, my heart. Yeah. There's a, uh, I have a, I'm, I'm getting my master's at the Augustine Institute. Awesome. Yes. So awesome. Praise be to God. What a grace it yeah. is that that's even been able to be accomplished in my life with, if you know my life, then you're thinking, <laughs> I don't even know how I'm doing it, but I'm doing it. I actually graduate this May, 2017. Oh my gosh. Congratulations. Yes. Thank you, Father. So, and one of my professors who's been with me since the beginning, and I, I talk about him all the time. So I just use the phrase, the professor, because I just yeah. don't want to, I, I don't want to embarrass him. 
But he said something in a lecture one to me just recently and remind me what you've been saying, what's been on your heart and prayer for a while now. And I put it on a post-it. It's on my computer. I look at it every day and it says, the church will survive without you. And what a beautiful reminder and where I can just, I don't have to carry things. I don't have to think that I'm something I'm not. And just, just, it's a nice reminder of like, the Lord loves me regardless of what I do. And one of the things that has been a part of my prayer life that's helped me, and it's been there for a few years now, and it continues through, it's from Genesis 3. It's just that first question that God asks Adam and Eve, the first question that he utters in scripture, which I believe, I mean, you're the priest, you tell me, but I believe is the question that he continues to echo throughout all of humanity, but it just says, where are you? Yeah. And so that for me, that so much is what's guided my prayer over the past a few mm-hmm. years, I think, especially as my life personally, uh, I just has become amazing and great, but also very busy, three kids, yeah. three and under and still working in ministry. And so, but the Lord is still calling me. He's like, Hey, where are you? Like, come to me, let me take care of you. And I, it's kind of like, you're talking about like that transactional relationship, which kind of borders on abuse, you know, yeah. I mean, because if we're just using the Lord so that we can do good in our ministry or using the Lord so we can write a new talk, I mean, I'm Mm -hmm. guilty. I've done the same of like, Lord, I need to spend time with you because, you know, you have all the answers and I don't. So can you just do something so I can give this great talk and people will clap and it'll be super awesome. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, like, how pathetic is that? Yeah. I mean, I don't actually pray like that. Right. But but, it's it's kind of it's almost the prayer beneath the prayer. And sometimes that's like, well, I need help because and there's also that sense of like, well, I'm doing this for you. And so help. You're the one that brought me to this work, Lord. <laughs> yeah. So shouldn't you have a responsibility? I mean, you kind of no. I'm sure the Lord's just shaking his head, being like, Oh Leah, I'll help you. But sweetheart, you're missing the point here. You know, I just love well, you. I remember there was there was a time I can't remember even the uh like what occasioned it, but it was last semester and oh I, now I remember I had done a, a teaching mass. So we gotten together a bunch of the youth groups from the or the, you know, the youth programs from the area and our our RCIA program and and like the cathedral here is right down the street. And so it was packed. It was super packed. And it was awesome opportunity. And I love the teaching mass because not only does it help people enter into the mass in a better way, but we also get to proclaim Jesus in the Eucharist. And that's just such a you know, huge thing. So anyways, so it went a bit long because they're already are going to be long. They, they already are pretty long. Anyways, it went a little long. I felt super bad afterwards. Like the, the main thing was, I'm like, God, I think that I totally, you know, messed up on this because I don't think anyone could walk away thinking, oh, I, that was a lot of stuff. I don't remember any part of it. And I just thought like, here was this incredible opportunity. All these people came to this and I think I failed. And so that night I'm kicking myself and like, God, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. And the next morning we had adoration. We have it every morning and I'm praying in prayer. I'm like, God, I'm just so sorry. And he's like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. just, it's okay. Just look at me here. I'm like, yeah, but I'm so sorry because I'm like, it's supposed to be about you. And I think that I totally got in the way of you. And he's like, yep, yeah, it's just, but just look up here. I'm like, yeah, no, I am looking up here and I'm so sorry to you because I should have been better for you and for you and for you. And Jesus is like, yeah, shush. Yes, that's right. Me, not you. Your prayer is all about how you feel bad for what you did and you failed me. Your prayer should be about me. Mm. The, you know, the prayer should be about Jesus himself or the Father. And just, yes, finding your identity in him. Yes, examining your conscience, all those kind of things. But I had, I was stuck there on this kind of like, no, this is, but I, I feel bad. For what I've done and I failed. And he's like, that's nice. I hear you and I forgive you, but stop making it about you. 
Right. And it was so it was so important for me. At least it was really helpful because I realized, man, I could make my successes about me. I can make my failures about me. I can make my repentance about me. Like, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. But there's such a beauty when you can just let go of that. And I'm not saying I do that all the time. I mean, um, I think the Lord's teaching me quite a bit in in it, um, but I still struggle with it. But there is a beauty in just moving on. Yeah. You know, like like saying, like accepting forgiveness or saying you're sorry, whichever side you're on with people in your life. And of course, with with the Lord, you're always on the side of saying you're sorry. So. But and then just having the confidence and the trust in the Lord's mercy and love for you to just move on. And, you know, that we, we can practice that in our daily lives as well as as much as we love and forgive others and are able to then quickly forget as much as you know we can and then just move past it. And to do that, because there is something powerful there, because the Lord is saying, you know, I think like I have more to give you than what you're doing with your apology right now with me. Yeah. Oh, that's the thing is that there's this, <laughs> I hate when I reference videos, <laughs> but I'm like, <laughs> I don't know if, so I admit this in a video or two, but that sense of like people who get stuck with, I'm sorry, and don't move on to thank you. So right. this kind of, I'm sorry is yes, it's needed to be said in a lot of occasions. It's in the past. Thank you is in the present. I'm sorry is still about me, but thank you is about the one offering me forgiveness, offering me another chance, offering me grace. And that sense is like, when I get stuck with, I'm sorry, no, 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 I was so bad and I'm so awful. I'm so terrible. And I, I really feel terrible about this. That's, I, I hear you. Here's the father saying, I hear you. That's good. But I've already given you my forgiveness. So are we going to live now? Or are we going to still live in the past? There's a big way to transition from the past to the present is to move from, I'm sorry, to thank you. Like to live in gratitude, not just uh, remorse, I guess. Mm, that is so powerful. And gosh, what we can all really take from that. I mean, in terms of continued gratitude in our daily life, there just needs to be more of it. Well, yeah, because I mean, think I always think, okay, so particularly when we're asking God for more things and God is so good. Again, God is so patient with us. He's so generous with us. He's so good that if we ask for stuff we need, he's like, yeah, please ask. I love when you ask. I love you. And I love when you ask. This is good. We're even commanded. Give us Tell God or ask God, give us this day our daily bread. He tells us he wants us to ask him. At the same time, think about what you would do with any one of your kids if all they did was for ask and never stop to say, oh, thank you for what you've already given me. And just mm. to think of like, we, I mean, again, God is good. God is way better than all of us. But that sense of I'm always about wanting more. I'm always about it's not enough. And then he gives me something and I'm like, OK, great. On to the next thing wait, why in the world would even a good God want to give us more when we're not even grateful for what we have? And of course he wants to because he loves us, but I don't know. It just seems like we, uh, I, I, maybe it's me. I can, um, forget that. Wait a second. I've got a lot of stuff. Like I'm standing here at my desk right now, talking with you on my legs. Like I can actually stand up and it doesn't hurt right now. And like, God, I should be ecstatically grateful about that. That fact. Yeah. Yeah. There's so much, and you're right. There's so much to be grateful for the simple things that we don't even think about. Mm -hmm. Um, and then there's so many more, a prayer that I, so I can't remember who, but somebody in my past taught me and said something to me and affected me. It was a prayer, very simple, something of like, Lord, thank you for all of my blessings, the ones I'm aware of and the many, many more that I have no idea about that you continue to bless me. Thank you for those. 
And just please help illuminate my conscience not to be ignorant of all of some of these blessings as well. But it's just the fact that we are so blessed in so many different ways. You know, something I have a feeling I already know your answer. And I just want to know from you, like, what, how do you respond when people ask you this question? I'm not asking you the question because I think, I think <laughs> I know, I know the answer. But when people ask you, are you happy to be a priest? Oh, yeah. Are, I mean, do you find that kind of silly or like, I feel like that that's the same question that people would ask me of like, do you like being a mother? I'm yeah. Like, what? I, yeah. I love being a mother. Like, are yeah. you say, what are you saying about well, me and my kids? You know, I don't know. <laughs> do you feel no, the that, same way about being a priest? That's a good question. I, th- I think what people are asking when they ask that is one, it could be, how are you doing? Are you doing Okay. Like, does that kind of that, that sense of if they care about me personally, they're asking, so how is life going? How are you? And I appreciate that. I think a lot of times what people are also asking is they're asking for themselves. So if they're asking for me, that's because they really care. I mean, how are you doing? Are you doing okay? The other reason is if they're asking for themselves and that sense of, so like, is that a full life? Is that a, a life that's uh, worth pursuing? Is it something worth doing? Exactly. Exactly. And so when it comes to the first part, because I know, Leah, you would ask me for me. I love my life. I love being a priest. I would, I don't think, well, I have a couple of things about that. But one is I love being a priest. I'm so grateful to the Lord for asking me, letting me, actually letting me be a priest. I think there's a, a huge thing where I might have years ago or something, I'm not sure, that kind of ent- walked into it thinking like, okay, God, I'll do this for you. As opposed to like, he lets me be his priest, one of his priests. Like, I just like, oh. God, I cannot even begin to thank you. But at the same time, it doesn't mean it's like always amazing. And one of the best kind of stories or examples that I can think of that captures this for me was when I was first ordained a deacon. So when you're ordained a deacon is when you take the vows of praying the liturgy of the hours every day and celibacy and obedience. And so I remember having taken those vows and getting ordained. And then a number of months later, my home parish asked me if I would be willing to preach at Christmas Eve back home for that Christmas of my deacon year. And so I'm like, yeah, awesome. So all my family's there. All, you know, a bunch of friends from growing up are there. And, and they'd never heard me preach before. And so Christmas Eve homily, and it went, it went pretty well. And, and my siblings coming up and they're like, wow, that was so good. Like we were laughing, then we cried. You know, like you, you're really in your vocation. You really found out what God wants you to do. And other people saying the same kind of thing. Like, oh my gosh, you've really, this is, this is what God clearly wants you to do. And I'm like, yeah, Jesus, I love you so much. Happy birthday, Jesus. I love you so much. You know, and so I thank you so much for, for calling me to be a priest and I can't wait to get ordained a priest. And just really happy, really like, yes, this is great. So yeah. anyways, leave mass, go home, just we out like we always do. And, you know, we sit around the, the kitchen ta- kitchen and we just kind of have some hors d'oeuvres and then we'll go head downstairs and open up some presents. So we're down there with, and there's my, there's my siblings and a couple of nieces and nephews are there and some in-laws. And, and I, uh, I had to get up and leave for a second. And I got up and went to another room and there was a photo album and I just flipped it open and I flipped it open to uh, pictures from the exact scene that I had just left Christmas Eve from a number of years before that, where my then girlfriend was with me. And, and that, that was a girl I had planned on getting married to. I had hoped mm-hmm. to get married to. And I remember I just looked at those pictures and instantly I knew if only one thing was different in my life, I would walk out into that room and she'd be sitting there on the floor and I'd be able to go down and sit next to her. And maybe she'd even have like, you know, one of our children in her arms. And it just was this, I mean, I literally (laughs) fell to my knees. Like I, I was like just crushed by this and it just started crying. And I was just like, Oh my, ouch, like, ow, Lord, ow, this, 
hurt so much. And uh, mm. anyways, kind of, I, I got up, you know, cleaned myself up, made myself presentable, <laughs> like went back in and just kind of finished out the night. And all my, you know, my siblings are, some of them are walking up to, you know, their bedrooms with their spouses. And I'm like, I'm walking up there with my sweaters <laughs> by myself. And, <laughs> and so I got to my room and I kneeled down uh, next to the bed and I started praying like, oh God, what's going on? Like, just like, what is happening right now? Earlier, like three hours ago, I was so grateful that you've called me to this, but right now it really hurts. And it was one of the top five moments of grace in my life, at least up to that point, because it became so clear in that moment that it was like, okay, so you love me when all these things were going well. And when it was really easy to love me, that's, and that's good. And I accept that love. Will you also be willing to love me when it hurts like this? And it was so clear that it's such a clear choice right there. And I remember just saying, oh my gosh, God, thank you so much. Thank you for giving me this moment of pain so that I can tell you in this moment of pain, I still choose you. Mm. Thank you for giving me this opportunity to like feel how the what actually I had to let go of because I want to be able to say, even in the midst of this, how much this hurts, Lord, I still choose you. And I still thank you so much for letting this hurt so I can choose you right now. And that was, again, as I said, one of the top five moments of grace up to that point. But it was a real moment of grace. And I think that when people ask, you know, so do you like it? How is it? I'd say a lot of times it's like, this is awesome. This is amazing. And sometimes it gets to be, God, this is hard, but I'm so grateful you're giving me this chance to tell you that I love you in the midst of how hard this is. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, (sighs) yeah. I imagine that's (laughs) it's simpler when it comes to like so when you say like, you know, do you you love being a mom? Okay. Some days. (laughs) Right. Some days. And and I don't love being a mom. I love my children. Right. All depends on what time of day and how the day's been, but overall, but you're right. And I I think that question sometimes does come. People are asking for themselves, like, is that, could I be happy with that? Because if they're, you know, maybe they're a young man and they're thinking of the priesthood or, and then they're, but they have all those doubts and questions of like, could I even be happy with that? Or a young woman who's not yet married or one who's married without kids and is thinking, do I really want my life with my husband to change that dramatically? Would we even be that happy or would we really miss this life of just us? And I think a lot of times those are the, that the question kind of comes from that place. Not all, but yeah, you have the reality is, is that you come to a place where if God is calling you to that vocation, if he's calling you for men to be a priest or for women to be a mother, he'll give you the grace to carry that out. And of course, God's idea of happiness is your holiness. So mm-hmm. to be holy is going to be happy for him. So, you know, there's the word fun doesn't appear in the Bible <laughs> at all. Yeah. Well, you know, it's <laughs> also, it's really interesting. I think that particularly you had your question earlier about we live too small of lives and even just the, the title of your podcast, uh, do something beautiful, that there's a part of a great life and there's a part of doing something beautiful. There's a part of following Jesus that has to be very, for lack of a better term, ordinary. And what I mean by that is I recently, well, last summer, I read a book called The Noonday Devil. Super good. Have you heard of this book? I Yeah, I have read it. And what's hilarious is that I read it and then I had this like two years ago and then I stopped reading it halfway through because of the exact title of the book. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I couldn't even get to the book because of my own issues with The Noonday Devil. Yeah. So yes, a, go ahead. A cedia, it's on a cedia or sloth. Mm-hmm. And the idea 
of like, I just, I also just made a video about this, but um, that's this, a good uh, one actually. And I, 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 I would highly recommend people to watch that little video of Father Mike Schmitz um, <laughs> on Acedia. That is a great one. And something that like so many people I think yeah. struggle with and don't know what it is. And I know, I know you're going to talk about it. I won't steal your thunder with it, no, but, um, but people struggle with it. And if you don't know what it is, Father Mike will explain it, but we struggle with this and we think it's just laziness. And then the devil works on that. And then you get thoughts of like self-doubt or self-hate even of like, I can't do anything right. And I'm terrible at everything. And I'm just not organized and I'll never be able to do what I need to be doing. And I'm such a horrible person. I'm going to let everybody down because I promise all these things, but I never make good on it and blah, blah, blah. And it just, it spirals. Yeah, completely. And, and there's that sense of Greatness can happen even in the midst and actually has to go. It has to pass through this time of nothing's happening. Nothing's happening. Nothing's happening. And if we're going to live lives of meaning, they have to be marked by this thing where it's but nothing. Nothing's happening. Right. I've been doing all this stuff. The same thing every day. That's why I was trying to point out what I was thinking about, at least when uh, we're talking about like here's the engineering student who gets an engineering job and gets a spouse and gets kids and gets this and looks all normal. The reason why people have midlife crises is because of the noonday devil. And the idea is not, again, acedia is not a laziness. Acedia is, or sloth is not laziness. It's not an unwillingness to do work. It's not an unwillingness to, to engage. What it is, is I'd be, I want to be engaged with anything except for the one thing I need to be engaged with. I want to do anything except for the one thing that I know I need to do right now. And so the desert fathers and mothers going into the, into the wilderness, in the early centuries of the church, they would experience this noonday devil where it's like, you know what, I'm in my hut and I'm supposed to just be in my hut. I'm supposed to just be here when nothing is happening from like, you know, 10 o'clock to two o'clock or whatever in the middle of the day, the noonday devil. And I'm not supposed to do anything except for be here present to the Lord. But in that moment, even like these great saints, like actually not just even them, but maybe even especially them would experience these great thoughts of like, you know what I could do? I could go back to town. I could help people. You know what I could do is I could get up and I could move around. You know what I could do is I could start writing a book. You know what I could do? Anything but the one thing I'm supposed to be doing. And that's why, like, again, it's the, the author of the book calls it, I think he calls it the sin of our times or the, the vice of our temptation of our times, yeah. because he points, points out that particularly when I don't know what my life's about, and particularly when I don't know the truth of Jesus in my life, that I'll be most attacked by this thing, acedia, which is, okay, I'm not satisfied completely right now. So I need to move to find satisfaction, even though I've already made a commitment to being here. Mm-hmm. So I want to be anywhere other than I am. I want to do anything other than I'm supposed to be doing. And I want to be the per- someone other than who I really am. And it's just like kind of crazy. <laughs> Today, don't you think what really helps promote acedia is this intensity of comparing ourselves to one another? Oh, and yeah. we are doing that now more than ever because the fact that we are connected to the world now more than we ever have been in all of history. We know people on mm-hmm. all different parts of the planet. I mean, from like just thousands and thousands of miles away and what they're doing. And there's all these videos. We can sit here and just watch everybody else's life and then never live ours. Well, completely. And there's the, it's, it's almost the uh, grass is greener kind of a thing, too. Yeah. And so it, I wonder if it can come from a certain envy. But at the same time, it doesn't even have to be rooted in someone else as it could be just even I find myself dissatisfied with my own life. And there, there's an interesting there's a book, I think, by the Jacques Philippe, where he talks about 
it's on St. Therese that he has a retreat about St. Therese. He talks about the plague of dissatisfaction that so many of us experience and the sense that, no, nothing's really good enough. Why? Because someone else has it better. And I saw on TV that I'm supposed to have it better and it just everyone else's life. Right. I definitely, I mean, I definitely relate to that in my own personal life. I mean, why else would a person agree to go on a reality TV show? I mean, seriously, (laughs) you know, I mean, I was an idiot and I thank God, God loves me, but you know, I mean, what an idiot move. I mean, and, and it was something to where like I did, I mean, I saw the world and I saw everybody else. And then I saw this show and I saw, you know, what was going on. And I thought, Hey, they look excited. They look happy. They look beautiful. Mm-hmm. And I thought that would fulfill me. I thought it would make me happy. And so by looking at everybody else's life and thinking that that might be a good way to do it, then why not jump on a show? Because that seems to answer all my problems. Yeah. Come to find out it was the beginning of many more. Yeah. Well, that's it is that sense of I want to live a life other than mine, as opposed to like fully. Eng- I mean, that's the, the, the crazy thing. Fully engaging in this moment, in these circumstances, in my life. Because that sense of I've said this before, but I only reason I say I said it before because I don't want people to think I'm just repeating myself. <laughs> I know I'm repeating myself, <laughs> but that sense of if I cannot find God in my present circumstances, I will never be able to find God because He's only to be found in my present circumstances. Like if I can't find God in this moment, then I'll never be able to find God because He can only be found in this moment. Mm. And that sense of like, no, no, no. But when I when I get to this next stage, like he's not waiting. And that's the thing that you mentioned before, like the the person who's I'm single, but I'm hoping to get married or I'm into sermon, but I'm hoping to go to religious life or to be a priest or I'm, I were married, but hope we have kids. And then and then in that stage of that vocation, then I'll start getting really holy. Then, then right. it'll be really serious as opposed right. to actually God's not waiting to make you holy. He's not waiting for you to, you know, quote unquote, find your vocation in order to make you holy. He actually wants to do that work right now. And so you don't actually need to wait for any of this. You just say, okay, right now, Lord, I will be done now. Right. You know, and that's that's so funny. I actually have, I remember distinctly as a kid and I was in high school at the time and late high school, probably junior, senior in high school. And I was beginning to really super drift from my faith. The drift began a couple of years prior to that. And at this point it was sin and vice and the devil were really taking hold on my life and pulling me away from my family and pulling me away from keeping me from just practicing my faith and praying. And I remember though being in church at one point because I had to, because my parents had this rule. (laughs) And uh, I remember seeing this couple and they were this older couple and they were just, they were just like the, they were the token older couple of our parish, I guess. They were mm-hmm. always there. They went to every daily mass from what I was told. They were always there on Sunday. They always sat in the same place. They're very sweet. They always held hands. And I remember they had something about them. It was just something, some type of intangible quality. And I remember thinking, I do want to be like them when I'm older. Like, Mm -hmm. I want to be holy like them. And I saw them as holy people because they were together always. And I don't know, they just seemed to be holy to me. But I remember saying then to God, literally saying to him, but later. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. I can't do it now. I don't want to do it now. I've got other things to do that are more important. I don't have time to be holy. But when I'm older... (laughs) That's when I'll have tons of time. Yeah. And I'll them, just do retired. it then. Exactly. Like it's easy for them to be holy because look, they are they're old. They got nothing else to do. 
they can go to church thinking once again, just associating actions in terms of holiness, which is, is yeah. not, not the case. But so come to find out, I'll try to make this story really quick. Years and years later, I drift much further away from the faith than I ever wanted to. I end up being on, as we all know, top model, blah, blah, blah. I had this conversion after that in New York. I come back home. I'm back. I've now come back and reconciled myself with God and with the Catholic Church. And I was back at church with this exact same home parish with my parents. And I said, oh, mom, I remember that couple. And are they still here? And my mom was at, at the time, she, we're, we're sitting in the back pew and I'm trying to whisper before master yeah. to ask her really quickly. And she goes like, who? And I'm like, so I was trying to explain it to her. She goes, oh, 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 right. Yeah, Mr. and Mrs. So-and-so. And she looked at me, she goes, um, yeah, Leah, they're here. But, you know, the mister, he actually passed away. And I was so sad to hear about it. Mm. And um, a few minutes later, just by literally like one or two minutes later, I hear this shuffling. And it was the wife. And she was still coming into church and she went and she sat in her pew that she always sat in. And there was something about her presence after literally just seconds prior finding yeah. out that the the husband had died. For me, I thought, yes, she's still showing me what holiness is. It's that faithfulness to God, even if the person that we love most in life or something is not there anymore, that she actually yeah. loves God more than him and that she still is faithful and she is still She's still going to church by herself, shuffling in and getting into yeah. her pew. But it was just this moment when I began to kind of take on more of the understanding that God does want me to be holy and faithful now. He doesn't want me to wait. God wants this now for me because he knows the greatness that he can do in my life and in myself of how much he can show his love to me and then to others by me engaging and diving into that relationship now versus later. Yeah. Oh my gosh. That's such what a beautiful like example then too of uh, because this woman's circumstance has changed. Didn't mean that, okay, it's done now that he's not here anymore. Therefore I'm not called to continue to pursue the Lord. Right. That's just that faith. Like you said, that faithfulness that in the midst of loss and in the midst of having him, it's also in the midst of being without him. Yeah. Yeah. It's just, it's yeah. amazing what God's doing, you know, and in, in all of our lives in different ways. And and God has taken you, Father, on an awesome journey in being a priest and the ministry and what you're doing and speaking to people from your little videos with Ascension Presents. <laughs> but especially, too, though, in those relationships that you have, like in the flesh with people like that you minister to at the University of Minnesota in Duluth and that community that God has given you that, that they, you know, that you minister to them. I think that's important for people to realizes that God's not calling you to be a priest for the TV. Yeah, yeah, totally. I think that's a big piece that my director was trying to 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 share with me, you know, that sense of him saying, "Yeah, so you know, this is not this is for him. This isn't for for you. This isn't for anyone to know who you are." And I think that there's a I mean, it's kind of like that the sense of I one of the reasons I love being with my students is they remind I mean <laughs> I had this kind of awakening when it came to what's the heart of the priesthood a number a couple of years ago, and it's just been deepening every day since then. When I was growing up, I, it's, I kind of saw the priest as a kind of a functionary. And here's he does these things and these things. And I'm like, that's great because the stuff he does is I love it. I'm so glad that he says mass. I'm so glad that he preaches. I'm so glad that he hears confessions like that's really he's there for people when they're sick and whatever. When they die. And I'm so grateful for that. But I never like emphasized fatherhood. Because it always kind of struck me as the kind of the joke of like, okay, I'm a 28 year old priest. 
do I, in an 87 year old man comes into confession, I say, sit down, my child, you know, kind of thing. Right. Oh, my saying my daughter to the, you know, 75 year old woman. And like, that sounds kind of like, this seems corny, seems weird to me. And so I kind of dismissed it in some ways. Just, I did not dismiss it in a sense of rejected it, but just never considered it in a depth. And the Lord revealed through some brothers and through some other people that actually, when it comes down to it, what is the priesthood? The priesthood is fatherhood and not functionariness and not you do videos or you preach or you say mass or you hear confessions. It's if all those things are done in the context of you're a father. And it's one of the things that it just completely, I don't say, I don't know if I'd say it transformed because I never didn't have that sense, but it has deepened the, uh, the sense of like you're dainted to be what? Well, not to be, not to make little videos. You're not ordained to have a podcast. You're not ordained. You're ordained to be a dad. And, um, Amen. Amen, and so it's, Father. it's incredible. It's yes. the, so I love this. And some of my brothers in some or in, in, uh, orders right now, like in my diocese, I shared this, I shared this one part with them and a the couple of them were like, cool. And some looked at me like, that's weird. But I have some, some students and some missionaries we have focus on our campus who have kind of gotten a little habit of, if I come in, they're like, Hey dad. And <laughs> I cannot, I cannot tell you, or they say, Father Mike, thank you for being our dad. And I cannot tell you what that does to my father heart is like, it's just like, okay, <laughs> excuse me. I'm just going to go to the other room. It's fine. No, I totally like, get it. I'm, I'm, I'm a mom. I mean, so like in a sense of like, you know, when, when my kids do something sweet and, you know, think like, okay. So Agnes is three and she's really young. I still think to be doing this, but just recently, one of the things she said to me is, is she came up to me out of nowhere and she's like, mom, thanks for being my mom. <laughs> That's so good. And I was like, oh my God. Like, <laughs> I love being your mother. But there's just something beautiful about that parent role when, you know, you are serving your children and, and you are loving your children because I want the best for my kids, just like you want the best for all of us. Yeah. It's, <laughs> that's so great. And yeah, that is so awesome. And so in that, there's the piece of like, okay, all the things you're doing, like as a mom, well, what it comes down to is like, what's the identity in that? And the same thing with, with a, a priest, I think is like, okay, I'm not ordained to do all these, just to do all the functions. It's ordination is a call to be a father in a real way. And I'm just, again, I'm really grateful that Jesus lets me do that. Yeah. Uh, lets me share his priesthood, that the father lets me share his fatherhood and that they let me share in his, their Holy Spirit. It's just a, it's just a, yeah, it's, I don't deserve it, obviously, but. It's Obviously, you're such a terrible person. Well, I know. Well, I mean, you don't <laughs> hear my kidding. confessions. Eh? <laughs> <laughs> so how many years have you been a priest? I think this is OK. Well, I can do the math. Really. Well, I can't do the math. I can give you the number and you can do the math. I was ordained in June of 2003. So okay. it's 2017. So this is I think this June will be 14 years. Does wow. that sound right? Sure. Yeah. yeah. I fall into the trap sometimes of my mom used to do this a lot where she would like jump ahead and she'd say, okay, this is your 14th year of priesthood, that kind of a thing. And so this is your, you know, your 21st year of life. So you're only 20, but this is your 21st year. And so I did that all year of thinking this is my 14th year of priesthood. So now I think I've been ordained 14 years. Nope. 13. 13. And nine months or whatever it is. Yeah. I have that problem. I just recently told Ricky Ricky's going to be turning 40. He probably nice. loves that I say that. But he'll be turning <laughs> 40 this year at the end of this year. And I was like, I am so excited for you, Ricky. This is going to be amazing. 
listen. Yeah. And I'm completely sincere when I say that. Mm -hmm. And Ricky's looking at me like I'm nuts. He's like, what? <laughs> like, why are you? I'm like, it's just awesome. Look, you're, you've made it to 40. Yeah. And he's like, and I'm like, no, seriously, in my life, I didn't even think I'd make it this far. I thought that I would die way before then because the way I was living my life. And of course, yeah. it's a loaded statement, but it's true. Like I was like, I'll never make it, man. I'm, the way I'm going right now, I knew I wouldn't. So I'm just super excited to be alive. And I was trying to exp express that to Ricky too. And of course, he's thinking I'm nuts. And then I was like, <laughs> I know. And can you believe it? I go, and I'm coming into my last year of my 30s. I cannot believe it. It's gone by so fast. And, and I'm talking, talking, talking. And Ricky keeps staring at me. And he's like, Leah. Like, how old do you think you are? And I'm like, well, I'm going to be 39 here soon. I have a birthday coming up. He's like, no, no, you're not. And I'm like, yes, I am. He's like, what? no, Leah, you're not. You're not. You. And he ended up telling me my age. And I'm like, no, I'm not. And he goes, yes, you are. And we had this like really? battle out. And come to find out after I did the math and looked at the birth certificate, no, he's right. I'm actually younger than I think. You had forgotten <laughs> so, how old you were. I totally right. forgot how old I was. Wow. So That's, I don't know. That is awesome. I legitimately thought I was. I legitimately <laughs> thought I was a couple years older. And I mean, I have been telling people. I've been writing it down. I mean, yeah. I mean, I completely 100. percent It's not like, oh, oh, oh. I'm sorry. I guess you're right. Like there was wow. no convincing me until I looked at my driver's. I license. actually saw it. Wow. That's great. Yeah, I guess it is great. I was super excited. <laughs> I thought that I should have a cake. I'm like, this is so fantastic. So I'm even younger than I thought. He's like, yeah, you, you've you've always been you've always been younger. You always will be younger. I'm like, I get it, Ricky. I know how it works. But wow. anyway, yeah. So you've been a priest for 14 years. Okay, so tell me. I mean, we've talked about so many different things, but like in these past 14 years being a priest, like, do you have one particular moment that stands out above all others as like your favorite moment of being a priest? That's a great question. And unfortunately, I'm the kind of person who I need to be even more intentional about remembering stuff. So I do you have like of, a journal or something. Well, it's not, I have a I have a stack of journals, I guess, you know, what do they call them? Uh, the brand name uh, Moleskins, those kind of journals that I just write notes in as opposed to writing down like dear diary i today such and such <laughs> the more they, they more keep a track for me of like what i was thinking about then and what i was working on then sure and that's kind of a way for me to go back no i never go back and look at them i do a really poor job of celebrating i'm not very good at stopping and i like to stop and reflect on like here's what's happening now what's happening in the future but i don't do a very good job of like stopping and saying Let's celebrate the fact that this is amazing right now. Let's or let's celebrate the fact that this other thing is great. And so when it comes to that kind of a question, like what would it be? I literally have no answer. I So you're speechless for the first time here. I wouldn't even know what to say. That, actually, I, I used a lot of words to tell you that I'm speechless. Yes, you did. And you did it fast, too. <laughs> really quickly. Very, very yes. quickly. Very quickly. All right. Well, OK, you've given me so much of your time. Thank you so much, Father Mike. I appreciate it. I know this one. I think I took up a lot of your time. But No, are you kidding me? This is awesome. I mean, yeah. this has been good. You, you've given us so many nuggets of things to think about and pray with. And well, do you have any questions for me about like what kind of character I'd be in different movies? Or I film? do. I do. I have them right now. I don't, I, I don't want, I know we talked about deep stuff, but I want to talk about like well, this. I actually do. I actually would like to switch gears. And I do want to talk to you about some of these things. You, you've already mentioned to me what who you would be if you were DC Universe and DC Universe. Now, let me ask you about this one. What about Marvel? Yeah, Captain America. 
Oh gosh, I should have known. <laughs> That's and I know that it's that part of me thinks like, don't say that because he can't fly. He's like the Batman. Of, <laughs> he's the Batman of Marvel, basically, in many ways. And yet, I mean, there's also the X-Men. You can think of all those kinds of people. Iron Man is fine, but I guess, you know, it has to come down. They all have significant, actually, sorry, Captain America or Spider-Man. They all have severe limitations. And that's why a lot of people who are Marvel lovers don't like DC. And a lot of reasons DC people don't like Marvel is because they would say, well, in DC, they don't actually have real limitations that Superman can like lift a planet. Okay. You don't have a whole lot of challengers versus in Marvel. Okay. So Cyclops, right. As an example, he can shoot beams out of his eyes and he's a good strategist and that's it. He can't do that and also fly. And actually he can't stop the beams from shooting out of his eyes unless he's wearing these goggles, you know? Yeah. They're super one dimensional in that way. Yeah. Yeah. And so, and so they make them more limited and complex and that's why people like them. I'm like, no, no, I like my heroes heroic. And so I think the most heroic characters in Marvel are Captain America and Spider-Man. Here's another one. I got two more for you. And just so you know, well, I know you know, because we've talked about this before, but, and I know the listeners know too, I'm a big nerd. I love DC Comics, Marvel Universe, <laughs> Lord of the Rings, all these types of things. I am just... So recently I was at a Catholic conference speaking and, and they were, they held their conference in this very large city convention center down in the downtown area of this place. Even forgot the state. I'm so sorry. But um, <laughs> anyway, at the same time, another conference was going on because it's a very large convention center. And what was it? It was a like comic, like Comic Con. That's awesome. Oh my gosh. All I wanted to do. I went <laughs> as as like people were, and of course they get all dressed up and like yeah. their favorite characters. So as I was passing by, purposely passing by their conference over and over as I was giving my talks, I met like some stormtroopers. I got some pictures with them. <laughs> oh man, it was so great. It That's was just, cool. It was, I was, I was actually giddy, yeah. giddy over it. And the person who was helping me in the conference, who was assigned to me to kind of help yeah. me get where I was going. She was taking the pictures for me and she was flabbergasted. She was like, That, that you would thought it was cool. What? And I'm like, <laughs> Could you take a picture with me in the stormtrooper? And she goes, Oh, yeah, sure. And then she walked away and I'm like, No, 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 no. Like now, I'm, I, I, was, I, I was actually meaning it. And so I had goosebumps and I was showing her and she just looked at me like I had seven heads. Anyway, wow, so let's just move awesome. on. So now that we know, okay, we got a Batman, we got Captain America, okay, Lord of the Rings, Aragorn. Oh, why? Um, the, why? The Ranger, Strider. So Tolkien would identify three Christ figures in Lord of the Rings. Yes. So there's Bilbo. Yep. Sorry. Yeah. Bilbo. No, Frodo. Sorry. My bad. Frodo. 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 My He's... bad. I always get him confused. I thought you were going to say though... Bilbo's nephew, but. Bilbo's nephew, Frodo. Frodo. He's who's the bearer of the cross, the bearer of the ring, bearer of the sin of the world. Uh, he has to destroy it. There is Gandalf who yes. dies and resurrects or rises from the dead and comes back transformed. So he's a Christ figure. Also, he's wise since he comes back. And then there's Aragorn as the king. And that sense of, so like as Frodo, like, ah, man, that's incredible. I know some people who choose Sam because they love the fact that, and they can see themselves in the same context of like helping Christ carry his cross. Like that sense of like, ah, and Jesus is so humble that he actually, in, in this mysterious way, he actually lets us help him. We're doing this on campus here. We're doing 33 Days of Merciful Love, Father Michael Gately's Consecration to Divine Mercy. And a big piece of Therese's 
consecration to divine mercy or merciful love is consoling Christ, consoling the heart of Jesus. And that's like the role of Sam. Actually, I should write that down because that'll come up in a homily. But I think when it comes down to Aragorn, one is actually he's a human, right? So the others are hobbit or a wizard or whatever. So he's a human. And he is given the role to fight for his kingdom. And there's something about that, that, you know, the ancient kings, there were some that ended up just ruling and they ended up kind of like making others serve them. But that wasn't the intention. You know, the intent is if you're the king, that means you fight for your people. That means you defend your people. Your job is to, if you need to, lay down your life for them and not what it became later on, which was if you get captured, you were expected to not die fighting. You're expected to get captured and then your people would have to pay a ransom to get you back to them. Why? Because, well, you're the bloodline, et cetera, et cetera. And so Aragorn gives a great example of someone who's called to be the king and uh, be the, the one who fights for his people. And he wrestles with that and he does it. And I think that's awesome. Yeah, I love how he and his wrestling with it and being the king and knowing that that was his birthright and his true calling and his many reasons for trying to, to kind of fall away from that. But when he he could have easily fought for it in a very physical but apparent way, especially, you know, when the keepers of the kingdom at the time were, t- you know, they were kind of making themselves their own kings. Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, he was he just looked upon them without any type of judgment or mm-hmm. like disdain. And he just kind of allowed that to play out. Anyways, mm-hmm. yeah, there's just so much there we could talk about. But yeah, it's it's incredible that, you know, as you, you, you probably know, I'm sure, you know, Tolkien who was raised by a priest, had said that his mom was a martyr. He actually claimed that his mom was a a martyr for the faith because she she had become Catholic. And then when her husband died, the families wouldn't help them because they were Catholic. And so in order to support her two sons, she basically worked herself to death. And uh, so he always considered um, his mom a a martyr for the faith because rather than disavow the Catholic Church and, and get help, she remained Catholic and worked herself to this place. But he says that Lord of the Rings is, I think his quote was, is a a religious and essentially a Catholic book. And the whole thing is like permeated with religious or Catholic symbols. I mean, if you think of the Limbus bread, the bread of the elves, and in that cosmology, elves are basically angels. And what do we call the Eucharist? We call the Eucharist the bread of angels. And the Limbus bread is the bread of the elves. And it can sustain a grown human being for days and days. And the same kind of thing, even a small bite of the Eucharist kind of a thing. So that's cool. And then Sam just like... Downs it, you know. Yeah. You're just like, my gosh, are you going to get bloated? Like, what's going to happen to you what's at this point? To you right now, become stronger, faster. I know. So great, so great. I love it. Well, I'm not surprised by your answer. That is a good one. Okay, and then one last question of who you would be in a movie or or TV series or just character. Okay, and this one's going to be totally off the wall compared to what we've already been talking about. But these are my sad, guilty um, pleasures at times. So I'm going to have to bring up the TV show, The Office. Okay. So at first, I thought for sure, I'm like, I was going to say it with you. And I thought you're for sure you would say Saved by the Bell. I'm not oh sure why. Oh my gosh. But for some so reason, great. as you're building up, I'm like, I think she's going to say Saved by the Bell. I think she's going to say The Office. That, but The Office. Okay. Uh-huh. Have you ever seen it? The Office? Yes. Uh, <laughs> I'm just Sorry, being honest. Being, I'm just being I honest. I can't believe being sarcastic. No, I'm not being sarcastic. I promise you I'm not. I just didn't want to like, I didn't want to put you in a position where you're like, oh, I've never seen it or, oh, or whatever. Just, you know, because it's not like it's the best, but. I cannot go a day without making at least half a dozen office references. 
Are you being serious? I'd be completely serious. I probably am, am. What's the opposite of exaggerating? I'm probably understating how often I reference the office. Like it's in a conversation. This is a normal occurrence where someone will look at me and say, is that from the office? Like, yeah, yeah. Like, okay, I don't watch that show. But I do it so often. People are like, oh, that's just the show. If it sounds like you're quoting something, it's probably from the office. So that I've watched it once or twice. I knew we were, I knew we were meant to be best friends. <laughs> Seriously, Leah. Made, we were made to be best friends. Absolutely. Okay. So we're excited now. Super excited about this because I spend way too much stupid time. I know God's going to be like, Leah, do you realize how much you could have done if you didn't watch the reruns? Like you've already seen it. I was fine with you watching the entire season a couple of times, but now we're going into like, how, I mean, I memorize it. It's just stupid. Okay, yeah. great. Yeah. So- so do you have a, if you could be any character on the show, not necessarily one, like who would you be if you could be any character on the show? Well, see, it, it, part of the problem is the fact that as certain people, you, you naturally identify, you're supposed to identify with certain characters. And so ultimately the only, they made Michael more likable so that because the first episode, first season, they're like, we want to like this guy, but we can't because you're not so this after the first season, they started writing him more likable. And I'm really grateful for that. But no one wants to be Michael. Nobody wants to be Toby because nobody likes Toby. No. And no one's going to be Ryan because all those other characters are like massively flawed. And so the only like significantly male character, significant male character that you would actually want to be could potentially either be Daryl, who is such a minor character, but he has very, very few flaws and is very cool and knows what's going on. Or obvious, the obvious choice, Jim. Right. And so, same thing is true with all the female characters. The only character that's like, actually, I wouldn't mind is Pam. But everyone else, or, or Aaron, I guess you could say later on, because like, I wouldn't mind. She's just kind of oblivious <laughs> to everything. She really enjoys life. Uh, yeah. So, I mean, I guess Moe's. Moe's. <laughs> You'd be most. No, no. I'd say, of course, I I identify with Jim. Jim. Okay. Do you have a favorite episode? Oh, I have so many favorite episodes. I have so when it comes to okay, favorite episode could possibly be the uh, where well, okay, where Michael <laughs> breaks Phyllis's hits Phyllis with the car. No, no, um, no, 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 no. It's not Phyllis. It's oh my gosh. Yeah, Meredith. I'm so Meredith. sorry. Meredith. But so that's a good one just because it's just so it's, it's the Dunderman's <laughs> infinity fun run. It's fun run. Also, at the talk from Seek, I referenced that episode. And all I did was I talked about like, you're in a race. You're not just kind of in a fun run for the cure. And I had people emailing me saying, were you referencing the office right there? Because all it was was for the cure. And they got the reference. I was so proud of them. But I always go to, what was your favorite opening? So I'm going to ask you, Leah, at this oh. moment, because I have three favorite openings. What is your favorite opening? My favorite opening, hands down, has to be the, uh, oh, it's called, it's a two-part series. It's when Stanley has the heart attack and yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Dwight is putting, he does the fire drill. Safety. Yep. Safety officer part one or whatever the name of that se- that that episode is. That's definitely probably my hands down my favorite that one, and then I'm trying to think of the opening, if this was the right opening. It's either that or it's Stairmageddon. Oh, yeah. That's so funny. So, yeah, the, the uh, safety, whatever, safety school, whatever. Today, smoking is going to save lives. That episode, I every many people cite that as their favorite opening, and I don't. It, the only reason why is because the first time that was aired was on the same night as one of the Super Bowls, mm. uh, the Super Bowl that year. 
And so what happened was we had mass that night for the Super Bowl. And uh, two things happened with that episode. One is I didn't like one of the jokes in the opening bit. It just it seemed a little heavy handed for me. And so I thought, OK, fine. But then the other thing that happened is, you know, they always almost every episode have it where Michael is like arrived because the point of like he's rejected. So this is in that episode. He does the they do the uh, roast, Michael Scott roast or the roast of Michael Scott. And I had recorded it on like the TiVo or whatever after the football game because I was at mass. And I when it got right to the place where he walks off the stage and he's all broken and he's he's kind of, kind of hurt yeah. is when the tape ran out because the game went long. Oh. And so I did I have that uptick at the end of when he comes back and he does the roast of the other, all the other people. And so I was just left with this like, oh, this is awful. <laughs> And so it's just you had a bad first experience with that episode. And since then, it's just like I appreciate the humor. Not one of my favorites, but I definitely get because a lot of people love it. And I realized it was just my experience that. Well, I guess what my favorite part about that episode, the entire episode is one in the beginning when he actually starts the fire and then everybody's going nuts and. Angel's throwing a cat up into the ceiling and Oscar falls out of the ceiling wall because he's been climbing. All of this is going on. And Michael throws a projector out of the window. And then all he does is then yell out the window and not actually go out the window. All of these funny things are going on. And then Dwight's giving all these directions. I think it's hilarious. And then what I really like about this episode is, is after the fact of when they are being reprimanded at corporate in New York City. Oh, yes. And Michael goes around the table. Yes, he goes around the table. And then, of course, he tries to, he's like, scoot down, scoot down. But scoot also down. the part where he stands up and he goes to the window and puts his leg up on like mm-hmm. the windowsill and he goes, ah, this city. This city. <laughs> <laughs> it's so perfect. Oh my gosh. Um, I say this all the time. My sister Lizzie and I say this all the time when we are at a window. We always yes. like, we'll purposely go up to a window. Like, oh, oh, I'm so glad. Leah, seriously, you are right about best friends. This is the thing. I Same same here. So I think maybe my top three first step opening bits would be one is a classic Jim impersonating Dwight. Oh, yes. Super good. Number two. Bears it, beats. Beats. Battles are good. So good. The number two would be, I'd say, well, they're all tied for number one, so I'm not really quite sure. The other one is Michael Burns' foot on the George Foreman grill. And calls and everybody's freaking Calls. And, and then they're interviewing him and he's like, I like breakfast in bed. Since I don't have a butler, I have to do it myself. <laughs> so every night before I go to bed, I play out for six strips of bacon on my George Foreman grill. Then I go to sleep. In the morning, when my alarm goes off, I wake up. I plug my George from a grill and I go back to sleep. When I wake, I wake to the smell of crisp, crackling bacon. It's delicious. It's good for me. It's a perfect way to start the day. This morning, and he says, I stepped on the, accidentally stepped on my foot. And I, said, oh, I stepped on the thing and burned my foot. It's just so good. And my final, sorry, I don't mean to keep going, but my final favorite, one of my favorite openings is Asian Jim. Oh, yes. I just watched it a couple nights ago. Just, oh my gosh. Asian See, Jim is great. And ah. Dwight's so expression good. is fantastic. And yes. then he starts talking like, wait a minute. So what type of sales did you do yesterday? And he starts telling him like the sales that he closed. and He's getting ready to call the Hendersons for this next one or whatever. <laughs> it's so good. And then when he looks at the cam- looks at the, the pictures, the photographs on his desk. And then when Pam comes by, gives him a kiss. And it's like. Just, and then he shows just, them the family picture. Yes. And it's it's Asian Jim, Pam, and then these Asian yeah. kids. Oh, yes. Man. Oh, my gosh. It's so good. It's just. I love it so much. I do, too. 
<laughs> oh, it's a good place to wrap up. I mean, I yeah. just, and the office is so fantastic in so many different reasons. And I know I'm not saying everything's perfect about it. My goodness, of course I'm not. But come on, yeah. people, have a sense of humor. <laughs> it's a good show. It's very good. Father Mike, thank you so much for just, you know, being awesome and being you and hanging out with us, you know, for today. I am so grateful, Leah. Thank you so much. Would you mind what, however, I don't know how valid this is, but could you like give a blessing or, you know, I've seen father Grishel do it like on DWTN before he died. And so I think we can do this too. Okay, perfect. Here we go. Okay. I'll just pray. We'll just actually praise the Lord right for a moment. Just to God, thank you so much for, for Leah. Thank you for all the people who are listening to this right now. I ask that you please help them know of your great love for them above everything else before what they do before any accomplishments before kind of even just their self-assessment of being great or little just thank you for letting them know how much you love them before everything else. I ask you to please continue to bless Leah and her family. Continue to bless all the people listening to this. And for all of you who are listening, may Almighty God bless you. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Praise be to God. Thank you so much, Father. Thank you, Leah. I'm so grateful. Ah, you're welcome. But thank you. <laughs> we, are, we are even more grateful for you and for, for just giving us your time and your heart at this moment. It's so great to be able to talk to you and to share to share a part of you outside of your little videos and other aspects of your ministry that is so needed and wonderful. But I'm really happy that I got to share a piece of you that I've enjoyed in our friendship with others, which is just a really awesome, great priest and man for the Lord. So thank you for that. Thank you. And from all of us here at Leah Daros, do something beautiful podcast. My name is Father Mike. God bless. <laughs> God bless. <laughs>